Last week, Pastor Greg launched us into a new series, and it's called Faith Forward. And if you have a chance to hear it, uh, go online, tfhchurch.ca, take a listen to that message. It was amazing. It was so good. Presence of God in this room last week. Uh, Pastor Greg talked about the kind of faith that pleases God. And and he specifically talked about two values. He talked about authority and submission and how those values help us to access God's kingdom realm in order to see faith that moves us forward, faith that produces results. Um, you know, I love it on Sundays when it's not just kind of like a, me- a mental ascent, like, yeah, we learned something new, that was great, let's go home. But I love it when we experience the heart of God. There should be something transcendent and supernatural about Sundays, not just going to another service. And that was last Sunday. The presence of God was in the room resonating as Pastor Greg was uh, teaching, and it was rich and it was wonderful. And so today I'm picking up with uh, the second message in our series, and as it goes sometimes for us pastor types, my message changed three times this week. <laughs> so you're getting, you're getting kind of the third try for this message, but my message is called Faith That Works. Faith That Works. Now, without a doubt, all of us long for faith that works, faith that yields results, miracles, God of miracles, come. Faith that uh, works ultimately is faith that requires diligence and effort, especially in pursuing relationship with God. And there is great reward on that kind of faith, a faith that works. And so I kind of already prayed, but Lord, bless this message. Impart something special and unique to this church about faith this morning. Um, So I want to let you know that in my preparation, I actually began kind of from a place of conviction about my faith, and maybe about faith that we see in the body of Christ in the church. And and where that came from is that faith is not as simple as agreement. It's not as simple as just agreeing with something, um, you know, nodding your head, yes, I believe that, or that was a great message, thank you, pastor. Faith is so much more. And I already started off in saying it, but there is a pressing in that comes with faith. There's a leaning into God and a sense of contending. I love that word. There's a contending that comes with faith. Uh, There's an anticipating that God is going to do so much more than we can ask, think, or imagine that, that it's miraculous, it's supernatural. I think we live in a day and age where at face value, it's easy to be a Christian. Raise your hand. Say a prayer. You're in. You're good. And I believe that because the Bible says, you know, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. That's what it is to be a Christian. But then comes the reality of living out that decision every day, walking it out, the power of salvation applied to everyday life. I could get passionate about that. Now, even as a person who's been a Christian for a long time, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes there is a disconnect between the supernatural faith that I read about in the Bible, the faith that we sometimes talk about on Sundays, and then the faith that I live out every day in my marriage, in my parenting, in my finances, in everything. Why is there a disconnect there? Uh, Last week, Pastor Greg talked about Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding, And I was listening to that story, and if you're like me, you take it for granted that, yes, water was turned into wine at that wedding that Jesus was a part of. It was Jesus, come on, it's God's son. 
And we read in the Bible about healing, about the dead being raised, about people being delivered from oppression, and we say, yay and amen, come on, hallelujah, yes, those things happen, at least you should be. Saying that, believing for those things. Church, the whole basis of Christianity is supported by supernatural. The whole basis of our faith is, is supported by a supernatural God who created the solar systems, the planets, everything that we see today. Come on. And Jesus came and he died. And he was raised to life. This is the pillar of our doctrine, of our theology, Miraculous events, they reinforce what I believe, what you believe to be most true in life, the supernatural, miracles. But the problem, the problem for me, maybe it's the same for you, is that we become so familiar, so familiar with the supernatural power of God moments that we read in the Bible. Uh, Many of us were immersed in those stories as we were children. Uh, But if you're like me, Making the leap to applying miraculous faith today is sometimes difficult. And so I wonder if what we agree that I pray over my kids. Church, why don't some Christians pray over their businesses? Well, God's not into business, is he? Work and contracts and sales, these things come and go. I mean, look at the economy, Peter. The economy's tanked right now. Is God really into that? Why don't some Christians pray over their finances? And and why isn't generosity and trusting God with our giving something that we do instinctively as a first step of discipleship? Some of you might say, Peter, God is not into that, is he? You're manipulating me. He doesn't bless generosity and giving. Why don't some Christians give? Well, it's because there's only so much money to go around, and there's a mortgage, and there's clothes, and there's food, and there's many other things, and so the thought process is, I can't afford to give to God. And we would never come out and say it, but by nature of our decisions, and I'm not just picking on you, I'm picking on me, because this is a reality in my life as well. I know that it is. And I'm going to talk later about what it is to talk the talk and and then walk the walk. But it would seem sometimes that we're entrenched, not in a faith-based understanding of God, but in the cares and the concerns of our world. That's what we're stuck in. Nearly all of us in this room, we would say we are spiritual people, (laughs) filled with the Holy Spirit. But the conviction, again, because I started from there, we can't say that and then not live that. We can't say that and then not live that. There ought to be evidence of supernatural, the God of miracles, all over your life. It covers you, it moves you, because church, the same faith that we see in the Bible is the same faith that exists today. It's not as though it was supernatural then and suddenly it's natural now. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible says. And I'm getting passionate now, but I've even heard some Christians say, well, this, is, this isn't spiritual, this is practical. This isn't spiritual, this is practical. God forgive us if we should ever say that, because spiritual things have very practical manifestations. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the powers and the principalities and the unseen spiritual realm. And we learned last week that Jesus has given us authority. We've got the keys to the kingdom. We have power over practical things. And so health in our bodies, 
good relationships, an abundance of work, financial prosperity, and on and on and on we go. It is ours as we partner with God's Spirit in working out our salvation. I love Hebrews 11 verse 1 in the Message Bible. This is a great verse. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Isn't that a good verse? Oh, build your foundation. Come on. It's faith. How important is faith? It's everything. It is everything, church. Everything in salvation is accessed by faith. Faith is a spiritual force that overcomes great opposition. It can carry us through everything. What's your circumstance? What's the miracle that you're believing for? You need faith. You need to work it out. And so I'm going to get into some points in a moment, um, but for some of you who are newer, because we might have some guests this morning, you might be thinking, what is faith? What definition are you working with when you say faith? Strong's Concordance defines faith as belief, trust, confidence, and fidelity. I love that there's a faithfulness within faith as well. Uh, it says that faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. Faith for the believer is, I love this, God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief and yet involving it. Wow. The Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so that they can know what he prefers. And so again, this is more than mental assent. This is more than willpower. Faith comes as we are entwined in relationship with God. So much more than just coming on Sundays. Faith comes as we're entwined in relationship with God. We do the work of getting to know him and we resonate with his heart. And the result of that, something is birthed in you. You can't birth it by yourself. God is a part of it. And it's divine persuasion upon your everyday life. And now I'm going to give you three words. And if you apply these three words, oh, if you take them seriously today, they will radically change the way that you live out your faith in everyday life. And so the first thing I want to talk about, first word, is communication. Let's talk about communication. Now, when I think about communication, I initially think about probably what you think about, people talking, people listening to one another. Our culture would define communication as the exchanging of information. That's communication. But going deeper than that, let's talk about a God-like communication. There are some other definitions within communication. Let's go deeper. Communication lends itself to another word, and that word is community. Community. Community happens when we spend time with someone, when we enjoy relationship with them. And at the front end of communication and the word community is the word commune commune. And in the biblical context, I just loved looking up some of the rich definitions to these words. When you commune with someone, you're taking something that is yours and you are giving it to someone else. That's what it is to commune. We could go further. The word commune, it actually relates to a word that we're familiar with, and that word is Communion, yes, I heard somebody say it, communion. And communion happens in a lot of churches, including this one. We know that Jesus took what belonged to God. What does it mean to commune with someone? To, to give it to someone else. And so Jesus gave us life and salvation and right relationship and forgiveness and reconciliation. What inherently belonged to God became what belonged to you. 
And so somehow, when you put all these things together, you understand that communication, community, commune, communion, it's more than just words. It involves intimate relationship, giving and receiving. And so in our communication with God, there's actually a transference that takes place. What belongs to God belongs to you by faith. Now, there's so many Bible stories. Oh, I had a hard time picking one. But let's go back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis. God places a man and a woman in a garden. He gives them authority over the created world. I'm just going to skim this. In chapter 1, it says that God's work was accomplished as he spoke. Spoken word was the work. And so he communicated, he declared, and by doing so, creative work was initiated. Stars, planets, oceans, mountains, people, all these things came into existence. And then where's the communion part? Thanks, Ron. Appreciate that. Um, He gave authority to Adam. The first human being, Adam, was given the work of naming every creature. Did you know that? That's a, that's a big job, name everything that I've created. And so this is really cool, but the power in God's communication became the power in Adam's communication. Adam was an image bearer of God. You know who else is an image bearer of God? You are. You are an image bearer of God. God breathed his life into you, and he's given you authority. And so there's a sense of partnership in all this, that the natural world responded, not only as God spoke, but as Adam began to speak. Things shifting, things changing, things happening. And let's remember what made all of this work possible was that Adam and Eve were in relationship with God. Because, again, my context for communication this morning is so much more than just the exchanging of ideas. It's relationally entwined. The garden was where community with God happened. And so as Adam and Eve communed with God, there was a supernatural effect in that relationship that affected everything else. We think of work as something independent. I go to work. I work. You you work. You have a job. But work is not something independent that belongs to us, but the greatest work that you can accomplish as a follower of Jesus happens when you work with God. That was the power in Adam's work, was that he was in a partnership, communing with his heavenly Father. Communication, community, communion. If we fast forward to the New Testament, to the life of Jesus, you know what happens? We see this same thing happening again. John chapter 1, it's actually a perfect parallel to the Genesis story. I love the Bible. The way that it's made up, it's beautiful. But John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. We're getting to some deep theological stuff right here. But let's remember now that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in and of themselves a community. They're a, they're a tri- God's a triune being. He's a triune being. And so what belongs to the Father belongs to the Son, belongs to the Holy Spirit. They're relationally entwined. This verse is telling us that Jesus was right there with the Father and the Spirit at the onset of creation. He was the force behind everything that exists. And I'm moving over the whole Bible right now. (laughs) But as we move into the book of John, we see the same communion. Jesus said things like, I and the Father are one. 
That's John 10, verse 30. He said, I speak only what the Father has told me to speak. That's John 12, 49. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's John 14, verse 9. Awesome. Are you picking any of this up? This is incredible. This is amazing. What does Adam's communion with God and his communication to the natural world suggest to you about your relationship with God, the authority that you have in your world? God has placed you in a world. You have authority in that world. And what about Jesus? Everything about his life had a supernatural effect Pastor Greg talked last week, and this was so unique, he talked about the God realm of authority, the God realm. Jesus was accessing that continually. Miracles, God of miracles come. And Jesus gives you this relationship. He gives you this power. What kind of crazy, awesome Holy Spirit power is available in your life? Jesus told us that you have authority over unclean spirits. Cast them out. To heal every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. That's Matthew 10, verse 1. Speak over those things. Speak over those things. Get riled up about it. Use some authority. Come on. You have authority to speak to mountains and say, Move, mountain. Move, mountain. Jesus says it will be moved. It doesn't have to be a literal one. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. What are the obstacles in your way right now in your life? You have authority. Jesus says you have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Don't go out to any deserts and start stepping on stuff. He's talking about the power to overcome the enemy, Luke 10, 19. And so this is where I'm at. Church, you shouldn't just roll over and take it when bad stuff is happening to you. You shouldn't just roll over and take it when bad things are happening to the people that you love. Speak over those situations with the authority that you've been given. And work is accomplished as the word that's in God's mouth becomes the word that's in your mouth. The word in God's mouth, the word that is in his mouth becomes your word as well. Now I'm going to have some fun with this right now, but a question for you. I could have picked on a lot of people with this next part, but I decided to pick on myself. Um, Do you ever notice that people who spend a lot of time together, they start talking like each other? Anybody? Yeah, maybe it's a daughter and a mom, or, but people who spend a lot of time together, they start talking like each other. Um, my wife always picks on me because apparently when I answer the phone and it's one of my brothers, John or Mark, my voice changes. My voice changes, and sometimes my language changes as well. John or Mark, they give me a call and it's like, hey man, how's it going? How's it going? And then it's like, hey, you know that guy that was mean to you in junior high? You think you could take him? Oh, yeah, I could take him. I'm way bigger than him now. I could flatten that guy. And I get off the phone and, what was that, Peter? What was that? And then we get together for family dinner. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but when John, Mark, and I are together, the testosterone is pulsating. It's pulsating. And our wives just stand back, they move away. As our voices get deeper, our muscles get bigger, we stand taller, chests are puffing out, and you never know what could happen. Next thing you know, we're wrestling. I don't know why it goes that way. We're pushing each other, we're, it's just crazy. 
But the truth is, is that I have spent so much time with John and Mark. We're all close in age. John's 18 months older than me. Mark is less than two years younger than me. We've spent so much time together that I change when I'm around them. And you know what? Oh, I'm getting riled up right now. I would never back down from a fight if John or Mark were next to me. But I want to ask you something. What happens when you commune with God and spend time with him and you read his word and you make prayer an everyday habit, what happens when your communication begins to reflect the constant conversation that you are having with him, where scripture is on your lips, the love of Jesus, the authority of Jesus becomes your tone, the authority that Christ has becomes your authority. Come on, what happens? It's not testosterone. It's the Holy Spirit pulsating in your life. Come on. And you don't back down from fights. You don't back down from spiritual fights that come your way. And stuff gets done. You should see John, Mark, and I working together. Stuff gets done. Right? Stuff gets done when you're working with God. The work is accomplished. John 15, verse 7, this is, a, this is a fridge magnet. Hang on to this. It says, if you live in life union with me and my words live powerfully within you, you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. It's the Passion Translation. And so I'm going to step on some toes right now, but I hear a lot of Christians saying I can't. I hear a lot of Christians saying, I can't, I can't change my marriage, I can't handle my kids, I can't break free from addiction, I can't make enough money, I can't give away money, I can't find a good friend, I can't connect with God. I hear a lot of Christians saying, I can't. And I hear Christians saying things like, it's really bad, everything is bad, bad government, bad media, bad teachers, it's dark, it's difficult, and yes, I know, I know, But God spoke light into darkness. God spoke light into darkness. And God spoke life to the void. He spoke life to the void. And Jesus came, and this was even prophesied about him, Jesus came and spoke good news, release from darkness, freedom for the captives, the year of the Lord's favor. What is in your mouth? And so you might need to change the way that you talk. Maybe it's self-talk. Maybe it's the way that you talk to your family, to your friends, to that person you meet with. Some people just get together and gossip. It's not good. It's not good. Some people get together and pray. Come on! (laughs) In church, you have a brother next to you. His name is Jesus. And you need to begin emulating his character. You need to begin emulating his voice. Commune with him and then communicate from that place. What comes after communication? Oh, this is going to be fun. It might sound strange, but sometimes our faith needs a little more perspiration. Perspiration? Can you say that in a message? Yes, I'm talking about sweat. Let's talk about sweat. Yeah. I'm talking about the need to exert yourself, or rather to exert Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit over your situations. It takes work. And when I say that it takes work, sometimes grace people, they get all up in arms and they say, well, Peter, that's legalistic. I shouldn't have to work out my faith. That's not true. 
We've talked about this before in, in some of Pastor Greg's messages, but grace is opposed to earning, not effort. We hang on to that. Grace is opposed to earning, not effort. And so at the point where you say, I've earned God's love, I have earned his kindness, I have earned his power, it's flowing in my life because of how awesome I am. No, you're moving out of grace. That is legalism. But listen to me, I have met extraordinary men and women who apply effort to the situations of their lives. Effort, they work so hard. And I could think of so many people, but you can think of someone right now. And that person in their time of need, they memorized scripture. They declared God's word. They woke up earlier. They stayed up later. They were praying. They were pressing into God's presence. And they got around other Christians who had stronger faith than they did. They attended more church services. They were so consistent. They attended Wednesday nights and prayer nights. They read more books, listened to more teachings than anyone else. And when a pastor is looking in at the life of that kind of a believer, wow, there's a sense of travail. There's a sense of laborious effort. And it's not, ooh, that's legalism. No, it's right. It's good. And some of them, not all of them, let's be honest, some of them, they experienced a win. A disease was conquered. A loved one came to Christ. A relationship was restored. A debt was paid off. A breakthrough was experienced. And it may have taken months. For some, it took years. And how many of you know somebody who's still waiting? I do. Church, the Bible says in James chapter 2, faith is dead if it is not accompanied by works. And I'm preaching to myself as well, but I'd like to think that faith is as easy as applying myself a little bit and then saying, God, where are you? And sometimes we think that because we're talking about it, it must mean we have faith. But listen, if there's no application, if there's no working it out, that faith falls short. That's just biblical. And I was trying to think of an analogy that goes with this, but I've noticed that a lot of people love to wear workout clothes. Hey? The ladies who are sporting the athletic stretchy pants, the guys who love their Under Armour, their Nike shoes. And when I see them, they give the appearance of somebody who lives a very active life. They love to work out. I'm not, some of you work out and you're awesome. But I'm sure you'll agree with me that we live in a world where sitting in front of a laptop in yoga pants, watching somebody else apply themselves, suddenly makes me feel like I know something. Hey, I shared this video of this guy benching 400 pounds. I must be awesome. Wow. Hey, I just ate some celery. Let me give you some diet advice. And church, in all of that, I say less talk and more walk. Less talk and more walk. Come on. Some of us know everything we need to know, or so we think, about changing our mind, our habits, our routines, and yet... Some of us are looking in at your life and we're like, you're soft. There's weakness there. There's poor choices that are having an effect. And we don't only see it on you. We see it on your spouse. We see it on your kids. We see it in the way that you take care of your stuff. You're not working it out. And I don't say that to condemn anyone, but I say that to encourage you that God is calling his church to exercise faith. Exercise your faith. Now, another analogy for you. I think that most, 
I think that most of us approach situations that require faith, and what we see first is something that is bigger than us, something that is much bigger than us, something that requires more strength than what we have. Most of us look at situations that we're facing, and it looks like this, except add a few more weights, add a few more weights on either side, big, big weights. And so when Jesus says, speak to the mountain." Speak to the mountain and it shall be moved. I'll tell you what I do and I'll tell you what many of us do. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> no, because it's not going to work. I mean, let me, let me try. It's not going to work. But would it change your mind if I were to tell you that most situations that require faith look more like this? Many weights, many sizes many weights of many sizes. Most everything that we deal with is actually not one big massive weight or responsibility that needs to be overcome today, this week, right now, this very instant. Let's pick up the whole thing and God, you deal with it. We we like that because we live in a microwave generation where 30 seconds of faith, beep, it's ready. We love that. That's the kind of faith that we love. But you know what God might be saying to somebody in the room right now? Pick up the smallest one. Pick up the smallest one. Stop standing there staring at the biggest one. Picking up the smallest one could look like committing every day to reading one verse. Can you do that? One verse, and you just keep exercising that verse. Yeah, here we go, some definition. And then one verse becomes two. And then two verses becomes a chapter. And then suddenly you are that person that's reading the commentary in the side margins. And then you're looking up sermons on that truth that you were learning and you're showing up for prayer and saying, have you read this? This is really good. And we're saying, we've been encouraging you to read that for a long time. But but there's communication with God. There's perspiration because there's application. And so I could go further. You are exercising your verses, your chapters, and then you start meeting with a friend, a confidant, and they begin praying for you and they begin encouraging you. Maybe that's like being in the gym and you're like, hey, I need a spotter. And so you wave over Mrs. Agri or Georgina Scott or Patton Noel Thomas or Namara. Hey, have you seen the arms on those people? Have you seen their arms? They're ripped. They're so ripped, and so you wave them over and you say, help me, because I need to make sure I don't drop this on my head. And next thing you know, you're attending prayer with them. And yeah, you're busy, but you decide to cut something else out instead of cutting out prayer. Less sugar, more meat, come on. And then you learn to pray. And, and I've been there before when I started praying, but you sound really silly at first. And it's just a few words, and you got really nervous that one time that you tried to pray. Morning prayer, Wednesday night prayer, you stumbled over your words and you felt self-conscious, but then you prayed more and more and more, and confidence grew as you were applying yourself. And everyone else in the weight room, in the prayer room, was going, yeah, go, 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 go. And you were like, it's only 10 pounds. But they're so proud of you showing up in your yoga pants. Come on. And then guess what? As you're pouring sweat 
you realize that not only has your situation changed, but God is moving that mountain piece by piece. He's been moving that mountain. And you don't only realize that he's been moving the mountain, but you realize that you have changed. Your muscles are bigger. There's more definition. And so you take a before and after picture, and you're like, hey, I got a testimony. (laughs) Have you ever thought that God is just as interested in changing you as he is in fixing your problem? God is just as interested in changing you as he is in fixing your problem. And so there's an opportunity in every situation to develop faith even while you're seeking the results of faith. Develop faith as you seek the results of faith. Work it out. Sweat a little. Church, don't be a couch potato Christian. I'm going to just say it like it is. James 1 verse 3 in the Amplified, it says, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity. And so you got to experience those tests. You've got to experience those tensions as maturity is worked out. And the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so we've talked about communication, the power and authority that comes when we spend time with God and when our words match his word. We've talked about perspiration, this process of developing your faith, working it out. I want to finish today by talking about expectation. Let's talk about expectation. And I want to finish uh, with a story on expectation. Nine years ago, I was 22, um, and I began running. And I was never a runner previous to that. Like most people, I hated running. (laughs) But Pastor Greg had decided that he wanted to run a half marathon. And so I got really inspired, and I said, hey, I'll join you. Now, there's another message there. You never know how your faith can inspire the faith in other people. Hey? But I was following Pastor Greg, and that is why I began running. That's why I began training. I began running two kilometers uh, about three times a week. Two kilometers. It's pathetic. But then I worked my way up to four. And then I worked my way up, up to six. Yeah, proud of me, right? Six. And I'd visit Chantel because we were just dating at the time, and I'd walk through the door and say, hey, how's it feel to be dating an athlete? (laughs) And she would just roll her eyes at me, like wives do or girlfriends do at the time. And let's remember that the goal was to work my way up to 21 kilometers, so I was at six. But a couple months of training, and I could not get beyond eight. It's like eight was my number for probably... 80% of my training. I just could not get over eight. And so my communication to myself, my communication to the people on staff or my friends began, I can run eight kilometers. I can run eight kilometers. And I just kept saying that. But there was like a limitation in that too. When I said, I can run eight kilometers, getting beyond that felt impossible. But then one night, One night, I remember it was actually stormy outside, and I was even debating whether to go for a run, but it was also beautiful. It was like mixture of dark clouds, but the sunshine was coming through, and I ran my eight kilometers outside like I had done so many times, and I was about to go home, and something in me said, you can go further. You can go further. And I said, no, I can only run eight kilometers, but no, you can go further. And so I ran 10. 
And then I ran 12. And then I ran 15. And I was like, is this even me right now? Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then I ran 18. And I said to myself, what? I didn't know I had this in me. And I said, I can run a half marathon tonight, right now, and I can prove to myself that when I do it a month from now, it's not going to be a problem for me. And so I did. I went the distance. I ran all the way. I was so proud. I was so happy. It was after 10.30 at night, and I got home, and Chantel had called my phone 15 times. Where are you? But I was so proud. And about a month later, August 2010, I ran a half marathon. And it was fantastic. And I'm going to actually share an announcement right now in the midst of this. But by the way, in about a month, I'm going to be running 10 kilometers with the Jessica Martell Memorial Foundation. And I challenge you, let's get a team. Let's run together. A few of you, I'd love it if you ran with me. And uh, it's before church. There's still going to be time to get to church. But let's run 10K. There's also a 5K option. But listen to me. What happened on that run was my expectation changed. And so some of you, your issue today might be your communication. You need to change the way that you're talking and communing with God. For some of you, it might just be that you need to sweat a little. Come on, keep going, keep exercising, try a smaller weight. Um, for some of you, it's your expectation. Because for me, when I was running 8K, I, I was capping myself. And I was stopping short because I didn't believe that I could do more. And my, my encouragement to you is don't stop, stop short of more. Jesus said greater things that you will do because I have gone to the Father. And in the New Testament, Jesus would do these incredible miracles and they would leave the disciples speechless. And their common response when Jesus would do something like that was, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And so in closing, maybe that's the cry of your heart this morning. I'm going to invite up uh, Dwayne, guitar, or Victoria. Maybe you're, the cry of your heart is, Lord, increase my faith. But I actually want you to have a vision to go further yourself, because it's not like suddenly you're going to be better. You actually need to run. You need to walk it out. You need to exercise. And the work primarily is a relational work. You really need to get into the presence of God. You need to get into his presence as often as you can. And maybe that's in prayer in your room, but let's not limit ourselves to that. Maybe that's worshiping in your truck. Maybe that's lifting weights in the gym, and you're just whispering under your breath, God, you're with me. God, you love me. Lord, help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better wife. Help me to love my kids better. Maybe it's on the job site, and you're just in this continual dialogue with God, and you're ignoring all the garbage that comes your way and is influencing you, but you're just thanking the Lord. You're praising him. You're asking for his help. Church, maybe it's while you're paying the bills. I see my wife. She sits on the couch, and she opens her laptop, and she starts paying the bills, and all the while... We can pray while we're doing that. We can pray while we're making a bank deposit and say, God, increase my faith in finances. Increase my faith in giving. Maybe it's while you're staring at the little face of a defiant five-year-old. And you're saying, God, help me not to throw them out the window. <laughs> Maybe it's while you're on the phone with a teenager and they're getting lippy with you and you're just, I want to argue, but Lord, help me. 
the while there's communication, there's perspiration, there's expectation. And I want there to be expectation in the room today that the problems that you have today are not going to be the problems that you have tomorrow. You're going to get over them because you're strong and Jesus is strong in you. And the person you are today will be more confident and better next week, next month, next year, because you are working out your faith. And when it comes to expectation, I want to leave you with this line because this was just resonating in my spirit this week. You have ever-increasing capacity as Christ increases in you. I was quoting that over myself, even over my message this week. I have ever-increasing capacity as Christ increases in me. And there was a prayer that uh, the disciple John prayed, and he said, he must increase and I must decrease. And so let all of your stuff decrease as faith increases in you and expectation increases. So Christ is your stamina. He's your stamina. And he went the distance for you, church. And he's here right now to help you. And so let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Lord, that conviction has remained even while I've preached. God, let us not be lazy Christians. Let us not be couch potato Christians in our relationship with you, watching other people on TV doing it and not doing it ourselves. God, I bless the church today with good communication with you that their words would change. God, I bless the church today with perspiration that there would be a working it out, an exercising of faith. God, I pray that people would not just get frustrated with their problems and shake their fist at you, God, but I pray that people would pick up the weight and they'd pick up the smallest one or one that's a little bit bigger, but they would begin working out their salvation. Hallelujah. And God, I pray that the tensions and the trials and the troubles would produce in them endurance and strength in Jesus' name. And so God, I'm praying over a body right now, but I'm praying over somebody specific as well. You know who you are. Don't leave the gym. Don't get off. Keep going. And you've been saying to yourself, I give up. No, don't give up. And the primary work is in prayer. And the primary work is in loving that person that is so hard to love. And the primary work is in just trusting God in the process. You're not going to do it all today. And so stop expecting that you're going to do it all today. It might take a few months. It might take some more time. But you show up and exercise. Show up to church. Show up to prayer. Show up for worship. Show up for your devotions. Open the Word. Download a Bible app. Stop listening to that music. Listen to better music. Worship music. Come on, church. Let's work out our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And I actually feel to invite the band up. Can we do that song, Rick, God of Miracles? So band, come. We're going to worship. Oh, I just feel like we need to contend. And that might not be for everybody in the room. If you need to go and get your kids... If you're like, I need to head out the door. But if that's you and you're like, this really spoke to me today. I know that I need to jump in and work this out. We are going to spend some time in worship. And I just want you to believe. I want your expectation to change and to get bigger and bigger and bigger as Christ increases in you. Hallelujah. And so why don't you stand, church?
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. And so if there's somebody right now and you're saying, I have a situation and I need to develop strength, can you raise your hand and say, I'm just, yeah, so many hands. And I'm raising my hand too. You know, the health of my kids has been an issue again. I'm so tired of fevers and flus and coughs and breathing issues. I give that to God this morning. I'm so tired of cancer. I'm so tired of sickness. I'm so tired of people being out of work, people not having good work. I'm so tired of people struggling in their marriages. I'm so tired of broken relationships with our kids who have grown up, with friendships that have just blown up. And so God, we pray over all these things in Jesus' name. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so God, I pray for a tenacity. I pray for a pressing in, God. Lord, I pray for a strength to come right now in this moment to deal with those things. And even when we feel like we don't have enough, thank you, Jesus, that you are more than enough for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 